when Ian allowed me to come back and teach tonight, I've really been wrestling with what do I want to share? And I think some of my best just teaching is just being real, being raw. What do I struggle with? And one of the things I struggle with, guys, is I see the brokenness in the world and the brokenness in my own heart, and I have these fears and anxieties. And then I read Psalms 91. And when I read Psalms 91, it seems like God makes a lot of promises of peace and protection. But I live in a crazy, crazy world. So we talk a lot about the Christian life being a journey. And I know that I don't want to be alone in it. I need help. I need guidance. So I'm told to go to Scripture, right? To have this light. So I read Psalms 91, and I'm like, okay, where are these promises? Ooh, I like that. He dwells in the shelter. That he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress in my God, whom I trust. Yet I will look at my life and be like, I got problems. My problems have problems. One of my biggest problems is me. I need Jesus. So we are going to unpack God's promises seen in Psalms 91. Um, When we're talking about beautiful words and the promises of God, it makes me think of an old, old song. What a day that will be when my, uh, sorry, when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one that saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no more sorrows there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, no more parting over there. Forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. It's the beauty of that hymn that in my low moments can comfort me, but sometimes I want that glorious day that will be to be now. And the beauty of being at Door of Hope is we may not always get the event information right. We may not always have, like, okay, uh, my community group may be in this room, or we may have baptism start at 1 p.m. instead of 1.30. I don't know, but we will teach the gospel. We will teach the word. And when we look at Psalms 91, and we look at these old hymns, we are not teaching a gospel that comforts us at the end of your life. We're teaching a gospel that meets us in the here and now. So, we believe that we have a savior who loves us and likes us and meets us in our worst moments. And then he leaves to go to the right hand of the father, interceding, like, right? The interceding on the behalf of the father on our behalf, yet the comforter, the Holy Spirit is within us. So what a day that will be when my Christ Jesus, I will see. That'll be a glorious day, but I can be comforted now. We read these beautiful words, these powerful words, yet we still live in pain. The thing that's comforting about God is he does not write checks that bounce. When he says a promise, a truth that we see in God, he does not stutter. It's not what he's about. You can look at Isaiah 45, and he will say, I am God, there is no other who is like me. As the kids would say who follow hip-hop, he's flexing. He's built different. There's none like him. 
But if that's all true, why is life so hard? Why is it that we can go to, whether it's Fox News or CNN or BBC or whatever like, news thing you may follow, some of you may not even follow the news, maybe just on TikTok, I don't know. But you can look outside your door, look in your own house, and see that there's problems, there's despair. Psalms 91, 1 through 13. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress. Makes you think of the old uh, hymn, uh, what is it? A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. For he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from deadly pestilence. Like, there's these promises. It just keeps going. He'll cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you'll find refuge. And his faithfulness will be a shield and a buckler. And you will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day. As we make our way through, you're going to keep seeing these promises. Upon promises. Upon promises. Incredible words. Truths that are comforting. But here's the issue. Cotton candy, like, big cotton candy person, okay? But what I realized as I've matured, cotton candy, things that are sweet and flowery, that has no strength, no power, no nutrition for my body, will only end up in causing me to get sick and die. But it's the vegetables, the steak, the, let's say, if you are vegan, tofu, I, I don't know what vegan people eat. <laughs> Some of this is all written down, and the other of this is just like, I'm not really sure. But you guys know what I mean. This healthy food is what makes the difference. So these beautiful words, these powerful wor words, we have, yet we still live in pain. Yet you have this moment where Satan also seems to know Psalms 91. Luke 4, 9 through 11. And he took him, he, Satan, took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem, goodness, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself from here, for it is written, remember, Psalms 91, he will command his angels concerning to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Satan is twisting the promises that we read so easily in 91. Shakespeare has this uh, old play, The Merchant of Seville, that says, even Satan will cite scripture for his purpose. And so Christ, our Savior, has this option to show that he's the Son of God, but in doing it, he'd be bypassing the cross. Satan is a liar, and he's also an accuser. So in one moment, he'll be like, is these promises, these promises are truly empty, but also, if you're going to take that promise, well, let's just twist it a little bit. And really, my challenge, when I was at Moody, I was hit with this. At Moody, we excel in getting in the Word of God, but we can sometimes worship the Bible, but not the Savior of the Bible. We do not worship the promises of 91. We worship the God seen in Psalms 91. We worship the 
Savior who makes the promises at the cross. Hence, we said earlier, he does not write checks that bounce. It's not what he does. Satan wants you to despair, to doubt God. He wants you to fail to see the full picture of what God is saying. We see that in the garden. He wants you to focus on the promise or the words, yet not the person. There's this old uh, Seinfeld rep- episode where uh, Jerry is getting a reservation, you know, and the reservation's not in the spot, and she's getting frustrated with Jerry, and Jerry's frustrated with her, and she goes, sir, I know how to take a reservation. And Jerry fires back, but the whole point is to keep the reservation. Anyone can take, and take, 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 but you have to be able to keep it. The issue is, is not the promises that are written on the word. It's the fact that we have this confidence that he has the ability to keep it. So what is God promising? Well, it's not an easy life. Uh, when I teach the college kids at E. coli, I try to be pretty honest with them in the fact of the hardest years of my life has all have happened after I've come to know the Lord. Water's so good, guys. You hop on that train. But there's like this contrast of I realize my brokenness for the first time, my severity of that I need him. At the same time, I know the hope that's within him. And then I'm seeing the brokenness of the world. It, it's, it seems like it's a whole mess. Yet I know in this current state of being a saint who sins, I need him and I can't go anywhere else to find life. So God's not promising you, promising you an easy life. Bad and hard things will certainly happen. You can see this looking at yourself, at the world, but also incredibly looking at the word of God. So Genesis 50, 20, you have the story of Joseph. And, you know, I'll recap it really fast. Um, Joseph was good looking. He was like the youngest. He had the dope jacket and he had the, the, a bunch of brothers who realized that they were not their dad's favorite. And I'm not a dad, but I've always been, I've heard that you shouldn't have favorites. I don't know. Like I, it sounds like solid information, but he's not supposed to have favorites, but Jacob did. This guy, Joseph walks up to the boys out in the field who are supposed to be doing, taking care of the sheep with this fresh jacket. And they're like, we're going to beat this kid up, throw him in this pit, and sell him, right? And so they sell him off into slavery. He ends up, like God still goes with Joseph, and he's, in, uh, he's serving as a slave. Then he goes to Potiphar's house, and then uh, he's moving up the ladder there. Still a slave, but respected and liked. And then uh, this lady, um, who's very much the wife of Potiphar, proposition Joseph, and Joseph was like, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. And so he's uh, thrown into the prison, you know, because Potiphar was lied to that Joseph, Joseph was the one who was trying to, like, get with his girl. And um, he's in the prison, and he starts moving up there. And, like, he's not getting out anytime soon, but people love him and like him, and God is with him and blessing him. And it happens that according to the word of God. He wasn't bad looking either. 
And then he has these visions, or he's able to decipher this vision for uh, two of the guys down in the prison. And then there's one guy's like killed by the Pharaoh. That's a bummer. But then the other guy has this vision that is able, um, that, let me, if I'm getting this right, he has this vision that is able to help the Pharaoh, but he forgets about, um, he forgets about uh, Joseph. So Joseph is in prison for even longer, and then another vision happens about the seven unhealthy cows who eat the he- healthy cows. It's like wild and talks about the famine, and then Joseph's brought back up. But Genesis 50, 20, after he becomes second in command in the entire empire and plans for the famine, and then they're still, like, they survived it, his brothers come back, and they have this wild, like, moment, kind of what you see on, like, the Maury show, or I forget what the other trashy show is, but interesting. But um, you have this moment where he's meeting his siblings, and he says, as for you, what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. To bring it about, many people should be kept alive as they are today. He was able to save his nation and save his own people. Then we go to Romans 8.28. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? That we will abide in him and know his love. That should shoot us out to John 17. So we can taste and see and understand the, com- the community that's seen within the Trinity. Luke 21, 16 through 18. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you will be put to death. You will be hated by all for my namesake, Jesus' namesake, but not a hair of your head will perish. It will be hard. Like lambs led to the slaughter, seen in Romans 8, 36. For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep led to be slaughtered. So it's easy to read this and say this to you guys, but I am not a Christian who's persecuted. We live in, I, let me rephrase this. I don't want to put this on you guys. I get to live in so much privilege being in this nation. So I can talk about the struggles of persecution and I can say, oh, you should read Voice of the Martyrs, but I have not tasted the bitter cup of it. But when I read the scripture, I have to understand that he, bad things are bad, okay? It's not the fact of when these terrible things happen, it's like, well, it's not that bad because, well, God's going to turn it into good. Bad things are bad. They just are. Evil things are evil. We live in a hard world. But he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot, er, let me rephrase it. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Bodies can be destroyed, but our souls are safe in his hands. And that is the comforting reality. It is that reality that shines down on our head whether you are a Christian in Portland, Oregon, or whether you are a Christian in the Darfur in Eastern Africa. Whether you are a Christian in Japan or Angola or Chile. We are no fool if we trust our souls to the one that cannot lose it. 
yet I say this from privilege, yet it can be very painful. Life is very painful. The world says, place your faith in your job, in your relationships. These things can be good. It can be loving. But loves that become idols become demons. So our ultimate love has to be God, and everything has to fail in, uh, pale in comparison. Psalms 91, jumping back there. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be a shield and your rampart. It makes me think of this old story I heard. Man, it's wild getting old. You know, like there's just moments where I'm like, when did I hear this? I'm like, I was probably like nine years old when I heard this. There's this farm that went through a massive fire. Why that hits different is I grew up on a pig farm out in East Central Illinois. So we'd have all these old barns, and in these barns, we'd have animals. So in this story, this barn catches on fire, and this poor farmer, which is his livelihood, loses a bunch of animals. This guy's completely distraught. After the fire, he's walking through, and everything's just burned. Soot, charred wood, everywhere. And he kicks this log, and he hears this noise, and this log was actually a mother hen. And under this mother hen were these chicks that lived. See, the mother hen sacrificed herself for the chicks. Matthew 23, 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and the stone, those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. That is our Savior. That is our Savior talking about Jerusalem. His wings, his love. He takes our place in front of the destruction, the fires, the wages of our sin. That's the gospel. He takes what we deserve at the cross. He conquers death and rises again on the third day. As I stated this earlier, the promise that we hold is in the person, not simply the promise. It's in the person, it's Jesus, who's truly such a beautiful name. All beings in heaven and earth bow and confess that he is Lord. All the poor and powerless, all the lost and lonely, all the thieves, shall come to confess and know that you are holy. Psalms 91, 14 through 16. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. So think of who we know Christ to be, who's a member of the triune Godhead, the Trinity. Now we're going to go through this last part of 91, 14 through 16. Because he holds fast to me, so we hold fast to him. In love, I will deliver him. I will protect him 
God will protect us because he knows we know his name. When he calls to me, I will answer to him because I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy and show him my salvation. Where's our salvation? It's not the long life, it's him. That's why when we go through the Beatitudes, it's blessed are the broken, like blessed. I am with that person. I am with the meek. I am with the brokenhearted. Heaven would be hell without God. That's the entire ball game right there. Heaven would be hell without God. And when we talk about Christianity and faith, and we have this fire insurance kind of mentality, and the fact of, well, pray the prayer, make sure you wear a suit on Sunday, no tattoos, don't walk, smoke, or chew, or walk, go with girls who do. And in 40 years, 50 years, and ah, you know, good genes, 60 years, you'll die and uh, we'll see you in glory, we'll see you in paradise. He wants something far more grander for us. He wants to be with us during the moments of trouble and go with us through it. It's not that he'll protect you from it. He'll go be with you through it. The wild thing about the walk with Christ is I actually don't know the way. I just know he does. And, and that's enough. And I would be lying to you guys if I easily, simply trust him. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord. Take and seal it for thy courts above. I am prone to wander which allows me to have grace for those who wander, who doubt, who see the waves that Peter saw when he got out of the boat, which is wild because we, we judge him so much. We're like, but look at him, looking at those waves, all scared and stuff. Jesus is with you. I'm like, I, mean, I would have stayed in the boat. <laughs> I mean, like, Jesus is like, yeah, it's me. I'm like, yeah, it's you. Could you stop the storm? Peter's like, oh, prove it. Peter's crazy, man. So hopefully this will be a blessing to you guys. In shady green pastures so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where water's cool flows bathe at the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Some through the waters and some through the flood. Some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song. In the night season, all the day long. Some on the mount where the sun shines so bright, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes in the valley, in the darkest of night, God leads his dear children along. Though sorrows befall us and evils oppose, God leads his dear children along. Through grace we can conquer and defeat all our foes, God leads his dear children along. Away from the mire, away from the clay, God leads his dear children along. Away up in glory, eternity's day, God leads his dear children along. What I want you guys to take from this is at Door of Hope, we just freaking love Jesus. and We really love you guys. The person we want you guys to fall in love with the absolute most is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, and that he's seen within Scripture. And it's the understanding that his promises are not to save you guys from pain. He promises to be with you. And if he is with you, brothers and sisters, you have enough. I'll close this in prayer.